You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, the podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I'm Cliffy D. You can always find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And I'm Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where if you use the code FLIGHTDECK-10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. So head over to sportbuffshop.com to buy your merch. All right. And don't forget, folks, you can find the Alouette's Flight Deck on all social media. You can start over on Twitter over at Alouette's FL Deck, on Instagram at Alouette's Flight Deck, on Facebook at Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. And we're not on TikTok and we have absolutely no plans to be. (laughs) That's right. That's yeah. I don't plan on doing TikTok. Uh, <laughs> uh, we also want to uh, give a hearty congratulations to Chris is Egar, who won uh, the Sport Buff Flight Crew seats for this week. Uh, you know what? A dude coming all the way. He's coming all the way from Edmonton and he wins these seats. That's amazing. It couldn't be couldn't be any better for him. Uh, but also, you know, you too can win a pair. Of seats to go see the Alouettes play. The next game will be for the matchup versus Winnipeg. So stay tuned to all of our socials so you yourself can get in for the draw to win those two free seats of the Sport Buff Flight Crew seats and watch the Owls play. Yeah, pretty excited for Chris. Uh, you know, really a great guy. Uh, follow him on Twitter over at uh, Bear Paw Chris. A uh, huge Elks fan, uh, just a great member of the CFL family. And I I'm so thrilled that he was able to win those seats. And, you know, we, we don't necessarily want his team to win, but we hope he has a good time at the game regardless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, just want to mention to you also, uh, don't forget about our, our merchandise where you can get it throughout the year and rep it over at the stadium. Uh, if you head over to uh, the merch store at... Teespring.com slash stores slash Al's flight. Deck. Thank you. Things where things go wrong when you when you're trying to bring up your uh, bring up the link, uh, your notes with all the links in it. So thank you very much. Cliff. <laughs> also, I don't think you mentioned it. YouTube. We're on YouTube. Get us to 100, please. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Go ahead. Smash that subscribe button, folks. Uh, get yourself entered in the contest to win a satin retro jacket, just like the ones that Tim and I have. So yes. go check out the flight deck on YouTube yeah. by searching Alouette's Flight Deck and you know listen to the show. That's a, a, just another great way to take in the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, listen, Cliff, I know we had some, some with some obviously big news with stuff that they, we that we uh, announced earlier this week, but uh, just, it, just I guess because of the, and we'll talk about it more in the, uh, in the preview of the game. But did you go back in time because you saw it put on social media talking about the "What Time Is It" song from Don Matthews on YouTube? Did you uh, listen to that yes. again? How, how could I not? I mean, <laughs> talk about a moment in time like the great Don Matthews, God rest his soul, as a hip hop star. If you could believe that. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess if you think it through that way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had not, I remember, Harry, I hadn't heard that song in who knows how long. 
Oh. And it just it just brought you back. It really just brought you back. So I mean, it's it's. I think it's funny for it to just reemerge just recently on social media uh, about the time you know that we're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the uh, 2002 Grey Cup champs. Mm-hmm. What better time? But if you haven't heard it yet, I think did I did I put it on social? I'm trying to remember if I put it on social. But if if not, go to YouTube and I think it's search for uh, what time is it, Don Matthews, and it will pop up. Yeah, or what we'll do is we'll we'll just tweet out the link on the Alouettes Twitter uh, the Alouettes Flight Deck Twitter page. Yeah, so I might have I don't remember I don't remember at all. So well, if we haven't done it, we will do it because folks, it, I mean, words don't do it justice. It is just incredible, absolutely incredible. Anyone who knows who Don Matthews is, it's just it's it's such a weird juxtaposition, but it works and it's so good. It's just it really was a moment in time to see this. Yeah, and it just goes along with if you think about it, Cliff just goes along with some of the other. I, I, do we dare sayings or pregame chants or something, you know, similar to one that, you know, our friends over at the Turf District play every week before their podcast, something, something that's similar to that, you know, or, or uh, Coach Kahari dancing on the sidelines or or the uh, win the day from Coach Tress and that type of thing. But this in itself is it, uh, it's just historical. <laughs> yeah. It, if you know, you know. But I mean, if you don't know. Like I said, check check it out, folks. It is really it really is something else. Yeah, get on it. Yeah, we did come off of a bye week. Uh, there is some news to talk about, but really a lot of it is centered on the upcoming matchup versus the Edmonton Elks. So we will get to uh, that talk later. But best week to have a, I guess a slow news week per se for the opening segment. Cliff, we were lucky enough. To be able to, to, and it was supposed to happen last week, but had to get pushed for obviously certain, but you know, certain reasons within the Alouettes organization. Mm-hmm. But for the very first time in seven years, we are going to be speaking with an owner of the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, we are lucky enough to be speaking with uh, Gary Stern this week. Oh, yeah. Absolutely exciting. I mean, we've covered it all here on the flight deck, I feel at times. Like we've had players on, we've had coaches on. We've had presidents on, general managers. I mean, we've we've pretty much run the gamut. But the owner of the Alouettes was kind of that white whale that we've been chasing for a while. I I'm beyond disappointed we never got a chance to have the late great Robert Wettenhall yeah, on to yeah. to sit and chat with us. I I mean, it just didn't work out unfortunately. But to be able to have the current owner of the Montreal Alouettes, Gary Stern, on and to sit and chat with him, my goodness, folks, just just such a treat, such a treat. I mean, if you've been following him on social media, you know what this is all about. You know just how engaging he is and how he just enjoys talking to fans. And it was just an absolute pleasure to be able to sit down with him. And we went over a lot of we went over a lot. And it was it was just great, candid fun. And I, I got to say, Tim, this this was this is probably going to be ending up probably in our top five of all time interviews. And we've, we've done quite a few interviews on this show, but I mean, this chat with Gary Stern was next level as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I agree with you. And you know what, Cliff, I don't think I need to say any more. You've done just that. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the owner of the Montreal Alouettes, Gary Stern, very special guest with us. This episode, uh, it's a gentleman we've been trying to get on since he has joined the Alouettes organization or rather, should I say bought the Alowitz organization. If you don't get, uh, understand who I'm talking about with that intro, you should by now. It's the one and only Gary Stern. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's a it's a real pleasure to have you on. 
I'm thrilled to be on, and uh, uh, actually, I feel good that you guys wanted me on. I, I <laughs> when I go through all this, I can't figure out why people want me on or want to do it. I've never been involved in anything like this, but it's um, uh, pleasure to be uh, on with you guys, and uh, I really enjoyed meeting you at that practice that day. Yes. So. For sure, right? and, and I think what it is, Gary, is that you know uh, we we never had the the other organization on. We, we've had other people from within the organization itself, but uh, it, it's sometimes you can get a lot better. Uh, you can get a different uh, feeling or a different view of a team itself when you actually get to speak with the owner who's willing to meet and speak with the fans and just explain whatever it may be. Because I'm sure there are fans that sometimes feel that. Maybe and certain answers cannot be given by the uh, another part of the organization that an owner might be willing to do. So that's, that's it. That's that's why we wanted you on, and it's it just really just to, just to talk with you. Well, fire away. When okay. I say fire away. Okay. Feel free to ask anything, and uh, I can tell you if I can't answer it, I will <laughs> tell you I can't. But I I hope I can answer any question you have for sure. Um, first thing, I, we 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 have to at least ask because it is something that has grown quite a bit over the past few weeks. I mean, there it was. I think it's a well-known fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you know you're not you weren't really one for social media, and all this, and then you joined Twitter, and just over the past couple of weeks, you have had uh, and gained quite a following. I think it's near five thousand people, if I'm right, as if we're speaking. But what? What interested you specifically about joining social media, and then what do you think about how the fans have have taken to what you and your interaction with them? Uh, it's a big question, and I'll try and uh, answer it uh, simpler. When I first, I had no idea what Twitter was or how it worked, and I casually went on. And I'm looking, hey, that's not a bad forum, and some of these people have some. Um, really good stuff they're putting out there. And I started to answer back and get into it. And then people taught me, hey, you're doing this wrong. You better spell better or you better do this. And I go, no, I'm really here just to be open and have fun. And for the most part, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if people are and informative and if people keep it that way, social media can be really good and, and keep it fun and keep it open. I have found the odd time people write some stuff that I don't necessarily say it's cruel or it's misinformed. And that's really not why I'm on. And I don't think other people should be on. If you have questions, you ask questions and you give answers and uh, it can be fun and you can joke back and forth and you can give constructive criticism. And if it's kept that way, I have a lot of fun with it. That's why I'm on. Mm -hmm. And I love our fans and uh, it's, it's all across Canada and I hope we get into the United States. It's a great tool as long as it's used properly. Fair, hey, it's fair, fair, very fair point. Because yeah, social media cannot be so much fun. I will admit, but um, do you, what what do you think that it, it took basically for you to? And obviously, you're a fan also because you wouldn't have bought the Alouettes if you weren't a fan of the CFL and and, and of the game itself. But um, you really you rose to prominence on social media after you made the prediction that the Alouettes would uh, beat the Toronto Argonauts. Um, right. What, what did you think that you know when it comes to that type of thing and now being as well known as you are, um, is there anybody? It's a strange question to ask because I don't know how many people you follow on social media. Follow on social media, but can you compare yourself to any of the other owners or teams themselves within the CFL that you 
you would like to emulate, or you just want to be seen as Mr. Gary Stern, owner of the Alouettes, I, just speaking as Yeah, well. I didn't, I don't have any game plan or anything when I go on uh, mm-hmm. Twitter, and I don't have, um, and it's really each their own, and I wouldn't try and say to one owner they should, or another they shouldn't, or a president. Um, as I said, it's something I found really interesting, and I love people and their ideas, and you never know what you get out of it. And um, the one person I do find that does go on it and uses it really well is uh, Victor out of um, um, Edmonton. And uh, I've met him a few times in our uh, Board of Governors meetings and President's meetings, and he's a great guy. And I love seeing how he uses it, Mm -hmm. um, and he uses it well. Um, He's a real marketing guy. Um, That's his background. Um, So I, I like that. But no, would I recommend it to others or not? It's who they are and what they want to do. Sure. Um, let's talk about, obviously, you, your, your, your ownership and how it came to be and stuff like that. Um, first thing I want to ask you is, uh, after you bought the team, obviously, COVID hit and we had the, the cancel season of 2020. Um, is, what information can you tell us, Gary, when it comes to what, what, fan, what do fans do not know about that 2020 season? How hard was it for you as an owner to go through a season where you own a professional football team and the game and the, and the, the, uh, the, the season was canceled. Um, real difficult. Maybe one of the most difficult things I've ever had to deal with, um, in my life. And it, and it wasn't the financial end. Um, that wasn't pleasant, but you do that when you're in business and I'm in many different businesses you never know what gets thrown on you, and you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And if you're well-financed when you go in, you just know, okay, that's a, a delay, or this happened, we deal with it, we move forward. What really bothered me was I wanted to play football. I wanted to enjoy it. And I felt real good about what I could lend this Alouette club, both from terms of business and things and getting into it. And I had hired great people and Mario and Danny, and I go, let's get this going. And it went on and on and on and on. Uh, and it never happened. Um, that was discouraging to me in the sense that I always feel I can make anything happen and we can accomplish anything. It just never happened. And, uh, that was tough to swallow in, uh, 2020. How I wanted to see our team play football. How close was there to, to be a 2020 season in your assessment? Um, it would change weekly between the government, between what COVID rules are, what the players could do, what this could do. Um, I think it could have happened any day, and the next day it couldn't happen. Uh, but I can tell you, between all the governors and presidents, we were working our asses off to try and play football. Okay. Was the, was the, 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 the uh, I guess, the rumor that was going through uh, media about the hub city was that an actual thing that might have happened or was it just something that was looked at and wanted to see if the logistics No that was a okay. strong at oh. one point that was a real strong possibly having a hub city and yeah. playing there uh that was a scenario that uh appeared practical and could happen but I can't remember back but then five or six things the next day would come up about why it couldn't happen Yeah um it was just that way Okay that makes sense um, and lastly, lastly, for my first couple questions, I'll let Cliff ask a few. Um, when it came to the, obviously, I, I guess I, when it came to us hearing you and your partner pop up when it came to being the new owners of the Alouettes, um, 
you know, and and then it was announced by Ambrose, you know, Commissioner Ambrosi that you were going to be the new owner of the Owls. Um, is there any particular part of the process where the league was courting you and your company to become the owners of the Alouettes? Is there anything that you could tell us that was not known or not said in the media when it came to them asking you to become an owner of the team itself? No, you can give, and I give Randy Ambrosi the greatest credit of having to make it happen and us be the owners of the Alouettes. He's the greatest salesman, lover of the CFL, and it happened really fast. We really did do it in a three-week period where I was watching the Great Cup and my partner, and we said, hey, this is a great game, and a good friend of mine, Dale Lassen, was watching, and he's connected with the Argo. He said, well, you know, the Alouettes are there. And I said, I'd love it. Next day, Randy was in our offices, and you just don't buy clubs in two to three weeks. And we had our due diligence, and he and the CFL bent over backwards to get us in. And uh, it all happened in a very, very short period of time. And then going backwards to your last question, then COVID came. Right. Um, we hadn't planned on it, but that happens. Okay, just to <clears throat> sort of expand upon the process of you becoming the owner of the Alouettes, uh, obviously you're based out in Ontario. I mean, you've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats who are run by Bob Young and the Toronto Argonauts who are run by uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. These clubs have come up for sale in the past. Uh, was it just a matter of wanting to own a team in Montreal or was there even any possibility of possibly owning either one of those two teams? Um, never looked at it. And I think just the timing in my life, in my partner's life, um, the franchise being Montreal, which has 100 years of great tradition. We have businesses in Montreal. We love the province of Quebec and the city of Montreal. So we go, hey, we'd really like to do this. We're good at what we do. And you know what? We work hard, but we can have a lot of fun with working hard and owning a football club. And that's just really how it happened. Okay. And unfortunately, uh, your partner, Sid Spiegel, never got a chance to see his Alouettes play. Uh, was What was the thought of, like, when did you guys decide that, uh, to me, I, I kind of see you more as the, the voice of the ownership group, and he was more the silent partner. Was that a conscientious decision, or was it just something that just sort of came about? No, actually, um, and I, I have trouble talking about it. He was my mentor, my partner, my father-in-law. Um, I just feel the world would have been so much better in the CFL had he been around because he was a quieter type, but he really knew what he was doing and he liked to talk and he liked to get involved and he liked to teach. So it came out later because he had gotten sick. It came out later that I ended up becoming the more or less spokesperson. And if I always said to everybody, I'm not talking, I don't speak, I don't do the first time I ever spoke in public was the day we announced to uh, and had that big thing in Montreal with all the reporters there. I was shaking like a leaf. So no, um, I kind of got put into this role. I'm still not comfortable with it. Um, I just like to enjoy. Um, but no, he would have been a phenomenal spokesperson and a real mover towards everything. You're not you're not a comfortable person talking. I could have fooled me. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, well, I, I, um, and that's kind of what happens is I get all carried away and emotion. I just comes out of my mouth. Um, I think a good speaker is more planned and thinks what they say. I just kind of tell you how I feel. 
like blurting out that the Argos suck? Yeah, I did it that day, didn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, if you're going to endear yourself to Montrealers, I yes. mean, there are worse ways to do it, let me tell you. <laughs> right. I, and I, it was funny, I remember saying it, I looked over at Randy Ambrosi, who was beside me, and go, did I just say that? And he goes, apparently you did. <laughs> um, but it was okay. Now, when it came to, okay, you buy the team, you're now the owner of the Alouettes, now you got to stock, you got to make sure you surround yourself with good football people. What right. was it about Mario Ciccini and Danny Machocha that stuck out to you as far as the people that you wanted to put in place for running this organization? Um, it started with, uh, well, first, when we first bought, um, the CFL um, had a, uh, gave us a person who had been helping the Alouettes in Wally Bono. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the first uh, month, uh, Wally and I were talking probably daily, and he was giving me advice about the CFL and about people. And he had come up with the, you know a list of five to ten names of each uh, president or general manager. And um, I went through his list, and I arranged to meet. And I had met Danny. It was at a hotel coffee shop at eight in the evening, and we got to talking. And he knew he wanted to be with me, and I knew I wanted to be with him. And that night, we just made the deal happen and verbally. And uh, great guy, his knowledge of the Canadian game. He's been in the CFL. He's been at the college level. And just in the meeting, you knew his passion and his love for Montreal and the football team. I go, this is my guy. So that was pretty easy and he was the GM but like normal I don't do things sometimes exactly normal in that I think I, you normally don't hire your GM before your president your president normally hires a GM but love the guy I said okay great you're coming and then I had met with um, again I had a long list of uh, presidents that were and I had met with three or four of them and I had just about ready to hire one when uh, Danny had just said to me I got a guy. I just want you to meet him. I know you're. He'd be great. Just meet him. I said, but you know, I'm finished. He goes, please, just meet him. I said, okay. And an hour later, Mario came to the uh, Montreal offices where I was, and uh, he came in. He sat down, and I had figured I was going to give him five minutes of my time. Charming man, knowledgeable, again, passionate. At the end of the two hours, I hired him, and that's how it happened. I just had a gut feel. And today I can tell you, and that was back early 2020, we're now mid-2022, I've never been so thrilled with two people who still have a love and a passion uh, for football and uh, both great work ethic, just what they're doing, I'm just so comfortable with. Okay. Now, actually, hold on a second, Gary, you opened the door, so I'm at least going to have to ask, who was, if you can uh, enlighten us. Who was yep. this other person you were thinking of hiring as the president? Um, I can't go there. Okay. <laughs> if you think about it, I, it's, I can't go there because then all kinds of stuff, and it goes like, well, he didn't get it. That No, I don't want to go there. But all the people I interviewed were really, really good people. It's just, you know, sometimes when you sit with people, you get a connection. Sure. And I went with it. Sure. And I understand. That's, that's, a, that's a fair answer. Yep. I, I understand why you yep. answered that. I get that. Cliff. Yep. Okay. Now, what I was going to ask was uh, the fact that uh, both Mario and Danny are perfectly bilingual, I'm sure, is just a bonus. But was that even a considering factor in who you were going to hire as president and general manager? Absolutely, it was. It played a uh, 
part in what is it that the fans, the sponsors, the people of Quebec would want. And um, it appeared to me that Mario and Danny being completely bilingual, uh, French Canadians, Italian French Canadians have, you know, lived in the city, understand everything about it. I go, that makes them that much better as um, management. Okay, fair enough. Was it a condition? No, it wasn't a condition, but the fact that they are, just and I loved who they were, uh, was an added thing for them. It makes a good thing even better, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well put. You should be an owner. (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm doing my best. (laughs) Okay, you're doing a good job here. Okay. Um, Obviously, I I don't know where if Cliff was going to ask this, but I'm at least start with start with the subject here because it's something that's happened recently uh, in in Montreal, obviously with the Alouettes. Um, Obviously, you have been in business for quite a long time, Gary, and there is a certain time where sometimes people do not fit within an organization. Um, How tough, and I imagine, I don't know if this was the first time you've had to do a a dismissal or a firing of this type of thing, but when it came to Coach Gahari Jones, how tough was that? I mean, I guess guess it was brought to you um, that maybe a change would need to be made, but or maybe you can enlighten uh, enlighten us on this, but um, how, how did this process go and how hard was it to actually let go I guess we would say your your first head coach as an owner. Yep, I've been involved in. I've been forty three years in business, and in business, sometimes you have to end employment. You hire, you dismiss. Kahari for me, even though I didn't do it directly, I was fully knowledgeable of why and what, and I had to agree to it. So I'm not putting this on to Danny and Mario or anybody. I had to agree, and. It was one of the toughest ones I've ever had to agree with because Kahari gave us all. He was a gentleman. He was a professional. He worked hard. I, I, it, sometimes you wish, and I've I, I got to be careful of my language on your thing, sometimes you wish people are a prick or something. It makes it easy to let them go. No, this guy gave us all, and he was a gentleman. I love talking to him. I love joking with him. So it was really really difficult Mm -hmm. and obviously you you'll be involved in the next process for whoever becomes the next head coach of the alouettes but um when it came to the idea of i don't want to say convincing you gary but when it came to when i guess when when danny came to you and and made the suggestion i mean was it something that you felt based on how the team had been playing that maybe it was time for a change and based on what uh either i guess either uh, Danny or Mario may have told you, were they, did they have to convince you that it needed to be done? Or did you actually say, you know, without a question? Remember, I have, I have nothing but respect for Mario and Danny. Yeah. And I hired them to run the club. Right. I am an owner. I can give business advice. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I stay away from, we should hire this player. We should do this. We should, this guy should play over this guy. I'm a fan. Okay. And you know, as fans, we know nothing. Okay. Yeah. There are. It's Mario. Uh, Mario. Danny has spent his life knowing it, and in the other coaches and the whole thing that take part in what's best for the team. Right. And all I had to hear was a presentation from the people. I can go. This is what's best for the team. Right. At that point, yes, I can say no. I can do. Um, it was just and the way they wanted and what they wanted to do 
to me was completely respectful the way they wanted to do it. And they go, but this is our recommendation. I go, I'm all in. And that's why I go, yeah, I'm all in. And I, that's what you do. And I'm all in on the coaching changes they made. I really don't know if they're right or they're wrong. I just know they're the right people and that's who I've hired. Therefore, you go along with what they're doing. And I will say, even as a fan, I'm good with everything they're doing. I think we're moving in the right direction. And obviously, if we end up winning the Grey Cup, sorry, uh, when we when we win the Grey Cup. Thank you. I was just going to correct you. I heard the word if. Yeah. When we win the Grey Cup. I you, just about hung up. This just about ended. You will see that, obviously, that all the decisions that you have been a part of are what what needed to be done. Because I said, you're the owner. You obviously, you obviously right. want the best for the team, which I understand. So it's, yes. yep. I, I, I like your, I was, uh, I'm happy that you were able to give us that input. That was good. Cliff. Now, with that being said, you, it's very clear that you trust uh, what uh, Mario and Danny are doing when it comes to running this football team. But at the same time, not just as a fan, but as an owner, you expect certain results, no doubt, up to and including Correct. winning the Grey Cup. Correct. At what point, like what's the level I would I guess would ask what's the level that this team would have to attain in order for I, you to yeah okay I went into this and when Danny and I were talking at the coffee shop coffee shop before he was hired he always said I can deliver in three years he said we can be competitive in the first year he said but and we'll be competitive and he said anything can happen you can win he said but I can give you a great team you know and be one of the top teams, and but it takes three years. So where are we really? We're in our first year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Year one, we didn't play 2020. Year two, I call was really an exhibition season. 14 games, no training camp. So maybe we'll call it a quarter of a year in terms of his timeline. Then mm-hmm. he's in his first year. And I think he's correct. We could. Uh-oh. We will win the Grey Cup this year. Um, I almost see what you got me doing. Um, <laughs> we almost we, hung up on you. <laughs> okay, uh, very good. Um, so we are competitive. We could go all the way, but we have a nucleus. We have great thing. He's still fine tuning and he's still tinkering. And I like what he's doing. And so we're in year one of our three year plan. Okay. okay, so that's it. That's that's okay. what it is. It's a three-year plan. That uh, it's always been a three-year plan, and we got delayed. Okay, okay. no, that's fair. And yeah. you can even go so far. I would even go so far as to say, twenty twenty-one could be considered like the preseason, if yeah, you will. Exactly. <laughs> I <laughs> call it that way. I did to them. I've said that. I just don't want to call it a preseason because Winnipeg won the Grey Cup, and they worked hard to get there, and they had all the hardships we other did, and they still won. They did a great job doing it, so I don't want to call it preseason. They really won a great cup. That's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. And that's gracious. Very, that was very cool. gracious, yeah. too. Yeah, that's yeah. very fair. Um, what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts on Percival Molson Stadium, Gary? Because obviously it's a very unique stadium. It's been around from, uh, I, think, I think we just passed 100 years, two years ago, if I remember correctly. What's, what's your thought on the stadium? Had you been to it before you were an owner? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the, on the home of the I had been there way, way earlier because— uh, I have an older brother, and when I go older, he must be ancient by now, but I have an older brother who played um, for the University of Toronto um, football way back when, and uh, I used to follow and go to every game, including when they played McGill, so I had been there, but I didn't really remember it, and it was greatly changed from when we were there. Um, But it's a beautiful stadium in a beautiful area, but somehow, some way, I got to do better for the fans. Um, it's not 
the type of stadium I'd love to give them. I want them to have seat backs more comfortable. I want an area for tailgating. I want an area that it becomes more our own, and I want to have that same facility be our practice facility. I want to, you know, dressing rooms. I want to do it way, way better. But right now, in the last two years, we couldn't even look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And right now, we're still building a football team. And McGill have been very good to us, and it is a beautiful stadium. But it's what I said when I bought the stadium, when I bought the team in that opening thing. One of the reporters asked me and said, um, are you going to build a new stadium now? And I said to him, look, I think at that time we were only drawing 8,000 people to a stadium, and you're asking me to enlarge. It's got 22. I'd like to get to 22 before I talk about building more. And um, we're still at 15 or 16, and I also don't understand, other than last year maybe a exhibition season we looked at it, I think we have a good football team that should come out, but we're only getting 15 or 16. I really don't understand why we're not getting 22, and people go, we're building, have patience. Uh, I think everybody can see I'm good, but I don't have a whole lot of patience. I have three years, but not a whole lot of patience. Is that but, something that you would entertain would be purchasing personal Molson Stadium from McGill and making it your own? No, they won't. That can't be done. I don't think they could ever. Um, it's part of the university, part of um, can it be expanded? Is there a way? We really haven't got into it. They've been really good to us. And who knows one day whether it's the Olympic Stadium. We're really not that far yet. We're right now going, it's a good stadium. We should fill the stadium. Yes, things could be better. But to the fans, it's good. Like you to come out. And we spend the next year or two looking where do we want to be and how can we make it better. And the, and the stadium itself, Gary, I'm sure as you know, has so much history. You know, if it were yeah. not for the, uh, the, the band U2, it is very possible that Montreal would not have CFL football right now. So there's so much history that goes into that stadium. Right, right. Um, so I'm thrilled with it. But no, I think we could be better as the CFL continues to grow and become the league I think it can be. Uh, we'll need, I think, an expanded stadium. Um, CFL football isn't just football. we got to make it into entertainment. People now today, to get them out of their houses after COVID, need entertainment. Mm-hmm. They'll go to a football game, but they also want to be entertained. And that type of facility, um, we have to look into the future for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you're not evolving or growing, then you're right. Yeah. Yep. Or as Vernon Adams would say, get right or get left. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, right now that, you know, the team is what it is. Well, obviously we're looking forward to a, a great win and a, a commanding win this week versus the, uh, the Elks. Um, what, uh, what do you, what ideas do you have for the Alouettes and the, the organization going forward to make sure that you're able to draw in that 20, 22,000 people back into the stadium? Um, I think under Mario, we have a good marketing team. Um, again, the marketing team is used to the way things used to be. Um, COVID, forget just football, any sport, any business has to undergo great changes because of what COVID caused people to be comfortable at home. Uh, TV became better. They made their homes where they entertain themselves. So everything now has to change as how to get people to a stadium. And marketing has to wrap their head around it. It's, this is really the first year 
you know, I'm talking about let's get sold out. Let's have 22,000 people. Right. Last year, you were allowed 3,500. Then you might have been allowed 10. Then they change it. You're allowed five. Um, this is the first year that marketing is really going after and figuring out how do we get people back? Not easy. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yep. Um, what, by the way, one quick follow-up to the uh, about Percival Molson, Gary. Um, right. Have you entertained the idea of potentially, and is that, it would probably be one of the smallest ones that ever occurred, but have you ever heard, had the uh, entertain the idea of hosting a great cup at Percival Molson? Um, we will be hosting a great cup. I think the problem is, and I'm not that into it, mm-hmm. but I think there's probably rules in, about how many people, like when the CFL grants a great cup. Right. I would believe you probably need forty or 50,000 seating. I'm not positive on that. I'm just speaking right. in my mind. If you're going to have a great cup and all these people come into the city, um, and the great cup is probably, I don't care what anybody says, one of the greatest sporting events there is. It, it's just people love it, and Canadians love to come. I think we would need more than 22,000 seats. Right. I think. And it is true that personal Molson, even in its day, can only be expanded by so much, but... Um, I, I will admit, I can say that as a longtime Alouette season ticket holder, Gary, I am hoping that we're able to have a Grey Cup sometime in this city sometime soon. We will be. It depends on your soon. <laughs> we're working hard on it, and the CFL has been very good to us. Um, and it's in the planning stages. Uh, one of the things they know, we deserve a Grey Cup in Quebec. It's been a long time, yep. and they know how well the city of Montreal can handle, and the Quebecers would love a great cup, so they're working hard with us on it. We will get a great cup. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> yep. Uh, Gary, take us through some of the the process when it comes to dealing with the Board of Governors. There's probably a lot of things that fans assume or don't know exactly how it goes on behind closed doors. Can you kind of give us an idea of what the biggest surprise you've encountered in dealing with the Board of Governors, whether it's a positive or negative thing? Um, again, I had no idea when I got into the CFL how it all worked. And the CFL itself is nine teams, and it's comprised of uh, private ownership, people like me. It's um, community-owned teams like uh, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. It's mm-hmm. got corporate teams like Toronto and Calgary. Um, Hamilton, I'm not sure where they are. They used to be private, but they've sold part. They're quasi in between a corporate and a private. And now you have new private ownership in Vancouver, who's doing a tremendous job, um, Armin. And so when you get into this boardroom with the governors, you've got very distinct needs between a public company, a private community, all of them in there wanting the best for the CFL but all of them have to do it in a certain manner. Um, So our meetings are lively, they're good, and they're very productive, but we don't always get agreement right away because different people have different ways they have to get there. Um, But I'm really, really happy with the uh, Board of Governors, especially this year. Everybody's getting progressive, everybody's aggressive in recognizing the need that um, this league needs to change. It doesn't have to change in a way that makes it not distinctly Canadian because it's a great league. Um, But we need to find ways to attract more people to the games. We need to find 
ways to get more sponsors. We need, there's a whole bunch of things that we need. And first it comes with the product. And I think we're putting a good product on the field. And um, we have labor peace now for seven, eight years. Um, I think we're ready to take this next big step. That's good. I like that. I, I'm sure I think I've given you guys too much. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, you know, you living in Ontario, and, and I'm sure you, you, as an owner, you really can't be too happy that a national sponsor like 7-Eleven hasn't included Alouette, the Alouettes in their whole campaign. I'm sure it can be a little bit frustrating being able to not to go to a 7-Eleven and be able to pick up an Alouette's cup for yourself or for the fans. That's correct. But I guess... That's not just an issue the CFL has to deal with. That's an issue politically that's been going on in Canada for I don't know how many years. Um, it's correct. It's there. Is there a simple remedy? No. Um, <laughs> there's issues. I, I guess I was recently at a charity lunch in Montreal where I spoke, and I don't know why they wanted me to. But And the first thing I did was I apologized for not being bilingual. And I said, and after they hear me speak, they'll realize I'm not even unilingual. But, <laughs> but it's, language is tough even on me, so I'm taking lessons, I'm trying. But unless COVID set me way back, because the best way to learn is to be there mm-hmm. and speak it and hear it. You can study the books. I think I failed French in grade four when I was going through public school. My ears don't hear tones right. But it's very difficult, and I really do want to get there and become bilingual. It'll make it much easier on me. It'll make it easier on the fans. Um, but to answer that question about 7-Eleven, it's a very tough, tough process to get to. Yeah. And obviously not having, you know, sense. And I want to stay away from it because I don't want to get into this whole. There you go. Next okay. Thing I'll have, <laughs> next thing I'll have 200,000 followers yelling at me or yeah. agreeing with me. And I, I don't want to get into that I process because it is a difficult difficult thing that's been going on politically for a long, long time. Oh, I understand. So needless to say, Cliff, yeah. Tim's going to drop the subject. So, <laughs> Okay. That's probably a good idea. Okay. Yeah. One, one thing I am kind of curious about that I had heard that uh, you, for your American companies and you, your American employees, you set it up so that they could watch the Alouettes on ESPN+. Yeah. Plus. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Love that it. decision. One, I'm a proud owner and I'm passionate. And in my steel business, you have to I'm also passionate. And I love the people at every place I go to, and some are in small rural towns in America, some are in big cities, and I just love the people. And of course, when I'm there, I'm bragging about CFL football, and they're bragging about college football and NFL football, and I go, try it, and here's what I want you to do. I'm paying for your subscriptions. Well, they love the football, but during a game, I get text, I go, why do you guys play five downs for a first down? I go, it's not five. It does get confusing, <laughs> but they love the wide open. They love, um, you know, the throwing, the doing. They really love it. And I'm going, hey, that's something the CFL should be looking at and growing through ESPN Plus or somebody, if ESPN Plus doesn't want to do it. Um, we should be looking at small town America growing at the grassroots, Um from a TV perspective, fan perspective, merchandising, it's all there. And they really, really do enjoy it. And it's interesting because there's so many like college towns that they right. love their stars and they don't make it to the NFL, but they end up coming up to the CFL and becoming superstars there. And that would be a perfect way to, to bring those fans in and get them excited about the they CFL. They do. 
they go, hey, you got so-and-so from Alabama, and another group go, hey, you got a guy from Tennessee or South Carolina because that's where we are, or Florida. Unfortunately, I don't have a plant in Texas because there's a lot of players from Texas. But, and they get into it, and they really do follow because college is massive, and when they get to a pro league up here, they want to follow them. So, yeah, we got to play that up too. There you go. This is something. That, this is something you have to really bring to the attention of the rest of the board of governors. And the next time you guys get together, we we it has been. But same way you hear me, this I'm pretty vocal in the boardroom, and um, we're all ready because we're all looking at ways to improve this game. And there, it's a pretty progressive board of governors and presidents. Uh, I'm happy with. We're going to make great strides. That's good. And, and oh. like also with uh, you know trying to get more people in the U.S. to watch it. Uh, and it's something that I brought up with uh, Commissioner Ambrosi during the uh, when he was here for, in Montreal for Randy's road trip, is I would hope right. that that the league, through their great partner in TSN and Bell Media, that they would entertain the idea of at least trying to get one CFL game all over free TV during the year. Not necessarily the Grey Cup, but that would be right. great too. But but at least trying to get at least one game on free TV so you can bring in more people and attract more fans. Right. Good idea. Those are all ideas, and trust me, we're trying, but there's so much we have to do so quickly. Um, sometimes I know people get um, upset with us or can't understand why. It's a big league. It's, it's a lot of work running a football team. People need to understand that the board, everybody does not, may not understand the Board of Governors because you're dealing with the Board of Governors, you're on the Board of Governors, and not everything is going to be known by Joe Fan. People need to understand that it's... We can't. That's correct. Exactly. As much as we'd like to, we just can't. Yeah. Um, I, I, we have really, really enjoyed our time speaking with you, Gary. We, obviously, we're going to be a pleasure to meet you again in person at Percival Molson whenever we get the next chance. Um, here's a funny question, and I've got to ask it anyways before I let you go. If, right. so, if somebody said, you know what? I love all my players on the Alouettes, but... I want to get an Alouette's jersey with Gary Stern's name on the back of it. What number would they put on it? Huh. Number one. And Makes wh- sense. Okay. And the reason why? Because I'm number one. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know there's if there's no other there's no other me. <laughs> I didn't know if there was a player that you followed in college or or pros that had the number one. I but- was, okay. and I hate doing it because it wasn't football. Okay. I'm and if I if we were on thing I could show you. Um my biggest hero in life, and I've always followed who it was Gordy Howe. So it, it's always been number nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. I Gordy Howe was my idol forever. That'd be cool. But then, then right. be, if they if they stern, it'd be wait a minute. So if I did have a number, it would be number nine. If not, it would be one. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But then we say, wait a minute, that's Jake Winicky's number. So you know what? We'll stick with number one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, guys. We we really appreciate your take, uh, appreciate your time, Gary. Again, uh, to shake your hand again in the future, it'll be our pleasure and uh, all the best to you. Well, thank you for having me on. And folks, by all means, if you're not already following Gary, first of all, shame on you. Yes. But second, follow the man, show him the love. He's obviously willing to listen to each and every one of you. He's willing to interact with each and every one of you. Give him a follow, interact with him, show him the love. That's really what it comes down to, right, Gary? Right. And I just want to say, when you say show the love... We're talking about football and everything because I'm a happily married man for 44 years and I love my wife. So thank well, you, guys. There's a difference between Twitter and Tinder, Gary. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, sorry, what's Tinder? Okay, guys, goodbye. Thanks, right. bye. Okay, goodbye. Well, that's a way to end an interview, isn't it? 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Gary. We really do, man. We, we love how, how just so honest you are. And it just, yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's. I, I mean, honest, candid, uh, insightful. I mean, my goodness. This was, yeah. this was, this was one hell of an interview. I, I got to say, this is just outstanding. Can't thank Gary Stern enough mm-hmm. for coming on the flight deck to talk with us. It was an absolute blast. And I, I know I say this all the time, but I, I really, truly, truly mean it. Anytime, anytime at all. Yep. That the owner of the Montreal Alouettes would like to come back on to the flight deck and shoot the breeze with us. The door is always open. There will always be a spot at the table for Gary Stern to come onto the flight deck. That's right. Yes. Table table, uh, table for three, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, out of everything, you know, obviously he was very open and candid about stuff. I think we got answers for everything that we had asked him. Uh, any one particular thing that stood out to you the most uh, in, in the questions that we that we asked him? I mean, I, I think what really struck me more than anything else is not so much the answers to the questions, but the fact that he answered and it didn't feel prepared. Yeah, yeah. Like, he truly shot from the hip. And I, like, I appreciate that. You know, I think a lot of sports figures nowadays, I think they're so afraid of having their words taken out of context that they kind of temper what they say or they, they're very careful with their wording. And I'm not saying that Gary wasn't careful with his wording, but I just think he he just spoke from the heart. And it's refreshing. It's refreshing to not get a bunch of boring cliches and sound clips and yeah. things of that nature. Like, I mean, Gary just came on and just he spoke like he he faced our questions head on, didn't hesitate with anything. And he just brought it like he he was here and you could tell he loves interacting with people. As I said before, he's truly someone that he gets it, you know, like he, Maybe like the the medium. Maybe he still hasn't doesn't feel like he's quite mastered Twitter. But you know what? He, listen, listen. He's got five thousand plus followers. I mean, like I think he's mastered Twitter just fine. Quite frankly, I think I, I do too. And, and it was such a good and something that I had mentioned in in my social media tweet. You know, it you know it's a good interview when somebody and Gary's so into it when the lights are shut off in his. And it's something you didn't hear by the way. But the, when the lights are shut off in his office during yep. the interview. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something you you hear or see of every day, but <laughs> that, no, that that's that's yeah. I, that's the way the interview should go. I mean, expect the unexpected type of thing. Gosh, I feel sorry for our next guest, or maybe nobody will want to come on anymore. Like, how do you top that? How do you follow that? <laughs> they all do, my friend. They all do. Everybody's welcome. They all have their their own stories, as we, but you and I both know. So true enough. Um, I think I'll just say for me, though, other than echoing yes, what you said. I think for me, one of the things that I took away, I think we're going to be having a Grey Cup here sooner or later. R- sooner, sorry, sooner rather than later, just from what I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I mean, 2023 is already penciled in for Hamilton, of course. Mm-hmm. I know 2024, I know uh, the BC Lions have been strong, uh, slowly putting together a campaign to probably bid for the 2024 one. So, I mean, if th- if that were to go through... Could maybe 2025 be a year for Montreal to re-host the Grey Cup? That'd be nice. I guess uh, only time will tell. So, uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. We'll for see. Sure. For sure. Hey, and and if anybody has any any comments about the interview, uh, reach out to us on socials. 
Or you can actually email us. Uh, be tim.capper at alouetsflightdeck.ca or clifford.pine at alouetsflightdeck.ca. Um, yeah, just, just let us know what you think because... You know, this this will probably be one of those interviews, Cliff, where we, something that we haven't done in a while, one of those special interviews where we put the clip up ju- of, of just the interview by itself. So, st- But either way, stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned for what's, what's going to be coming next. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, just up from there to infinity and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, game, as I mentioned, we're coming off of a buy. We've got a game this week. Some interesting uh, storylines beyond the the. the, the fact that you know danny machocha is now our interim it's and it's been made clear because we hear this after we tape the podcast it, we, it's made clear by danny that he is not going to be the head coach uh at the for the 2023 season so it puts a little bit more of a of an interesting interesting spin for the off season coming up but we still want to continue with what's going to be happening here in the, in the 2022 season mm-hmm. also coming out just recently too cliff is the second coming of AC as I don't know if necessarily he's our OC, but he's going to be calling plays starting this week versus against uh, sorry versus Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Now, originally, a lot of the offensive play calling was going to supposed was supposed to be done by Michael Leonello, the receivers coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the word came out that it's actually going to be Anthony Calvillo that's going to be doing the lion's share of the play calling. So it's going to be interesting because yes, folks. Anthony Calvillo was, once upon a time, the offensive coordinator for the Montreal Alouettes. And to tell you the honest truth, it was not good. Now, let me preface this by saying that AC, after he took his retirement, he took a year off of football, came back, wanted to be... He was actually hired as, believe it or not, receivers coach, which struck a lot of people as kind of odd because, well, you've got arguably the greatest quarterback this league has ever known and you're having him coach receivers. A, a little bizarre to say the least, but okay, you know that's that it is what it is. Okay, so they they made him receivers coach and uh then he ended up becoming quarterback coach and then was kind of thrown into a dual role of co-offensive coordinator with himself and Ryan Dinwiddie, yeah. who at the time was a bit of a jack of all trades for the Alouettes. Uh he's he, both of these guys were kind of thrown into the coaching fire almost immediately. And both, I hate to say it, kind of flamed out with the Alouettes. It, it, it was a very weird situation, a very weird time when it came to that. When, when you look back at that era of the Montreal Alouettes, I mean, it's not remembered fondly for the coaching. Let's put it that way. No. It was uh, it was it was interesting, and I, I'm not saying that in a good way. And again, I, I want to make it clear: I'm not trying to harp on AC. I think he was put in a very bad situation. I think he was put in a situation where he could only fail. Like I think he was being set up to fail. Maybe it, that wasn't the intention, but I mean, when you got a guy who's never coached before, and you've you're, you're fast tracking him big time, like uh, like I, I think if you let him, they would have made him the head coach. Like you, you just can't do that. Like it yeah. takes time, and that's why he. You know, he went away. He ended up over at the University of Montreal, working alongside of Danny Machocha, becoming the offensive coordinator there. And he got better, and he became the coach that a lot of people were expecting him to be. Like now, he is in a much better position to be a coach slash coordinator, offensive coordinator, than he was back in 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. So, 
I'm curious to see now if Calvillo, the coach 2.0, how that's going to work. I think he's learned a lot. I think he's taken some lumps and he's had to grow and evolve and learn, which you know is is natural and understandable. So I'm going into this with an open mind. I sincerely hope for his sake that uh, he's learned his lessons, as he's learned how to. I, I think now he's got a better appreciation of what it takes to be a coach now in the Canadian Football League. So I'm really curious to see how this is going to pan out. I mean, it could be absolutely amazing or not. Only time's going to tell. We'll see how it happens starting on Thursday versus the Edmonton Elks. But uh, yeah, I, I really am curious to see how Anthony Calvillo is going to handle the play calling duties now for the Montreal Alouettes. It should be interesting too, because I, I don't know how much they're going to actually change. You know, when it comes to the cadences or, or the the names of the you know of the the plays themselves, or or you know how much they're going to change from what was already put in place for Kahari. Um, you know. It, Will they change it up for specifically because Trevor Harris is a starting quarterback? Um, I, I don't know. But I, I think from the experience that Anthony has gotten over the past couple of years by being, you know, the coach in uh, in U Sport and especially being under Danny Mac over at UDM, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that this is going to go a little bit better than what happened last time. I, I really do. Uh, it, it's just a different situation. In, in itself completely. So. Well, and that's then that, that's the thing. Like that's why I, I want to go into this with an open mind. We have to realize it's not 2015 or 2016 anymore. I mean, people change, people grow, and I think Anthony Calvillo he wants to establish himself as a coach. Like he's got a great legacy that will is undisputed when it comes to being quarterback in this league. Yeah. Now he's got to reinvent himself and try to become an outstanding coach as well. And I, I think. The, the tools for him to succeed are in place a heck of a lot better than they were back then. So that's why I'm looking at this with an open mind and I'm, you know, again, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm cautiously optimistic of how he's going to do, handle the play calling duties. Yeah. Should be, should be cool. Um, yeah. One of the few other changes too. I mean, you know, we got some changes coming up, not necessarily just for Edmonton as we can talk about here too, but also for the Alouettes. Um, you know, even though Jeshwin Entwee was not available on Sunday, he has practiced uh, for the rest of the week, but he's not going to be the starter versus the Edmonton Elks this weekend. Uh, sorry, this week. Nope, that falls to Walter Flincher, who scored the lone offensive touchdown for the Montreal Alouettes uh, against Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, he's uh, he, he was brought in to, I won't say replace William Stanback because you simply cannot replace William Stanback. But to help lighten the load for Antwi, and now I think Fletcher is going to have a chance to prove what he can do against his former team, no less. Let's not forget, he started this year I in know. Edmonton. So <laughs> this will be a very interesting, uh, you know, like he kind of, I think he has a good idea of what to expect. And maybe that's what the Alouettes are kind of hoping is that, okay, he, he knows what this defense can do. He, he knows what to expect out of them. He's practiced against them numerous times, so... One would think if anyone knows how to crack the code, if you will, it'd be Fletcher. Yeah, for sure. And Antwi is going to be the backup to, to Fletcher. Uh, we'll see. I'll see how you know. It, it'll be different to see what the uh, how the uh, how the balance is between the the running and the passing attack. So uh, I, sincer- I, I do sincerely hope that they do incorporate more of the running game because, again, both Fletcher and Antwi are excellent running backs. And as we saw in the last game. Trevor Harris was having some difficulties when it came to the passing. So 
it just might behoove him to lean on his running game a little bit. And if the offensive line can open up those holes and create some lanes for both Fletcher and Antwi to, you know, move the chains, then, you know, there's there's no shame in going to the running game. No, no, especially if it's if, if you can average anywhere between six and a half to seven and a half yards per 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 carry. Absolutely. Like if anything, like, you know, it'll buy Harris more time. It'll give him a chance to really make his reads and really understand what's coming after him. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that this is something that is a solid strategy. I mean, yes, you've got some outstanding receivers that will be in the lineup and ideally you want to make use of them. But as, as we, as we've seen before, sometimes those connections just don't get made so easily. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that you can't connect with a Geno Lewis or Reggie White Jr. But, you know, sometimes you just got to go with the ground and pound attack and, you got two guys like these are some solid dudes that can really run the rock. So lean on them. Like there's there's absolutely no problem ha- with Harris handing off the ball to these guys and let them chew up the field. Let them get some yardage that way. And you know, especially when you get into the red zone, which as we know, Trevor Harris is he's had his issues when it comes to red zone scoring. So why not give the ball to Antwi? Why not give the ball to Fletcher? And let's see what they can do. And if they can waltz into the end zone, so much the better. Yeah. Uh, Harris will be the starting quarterback. Uh, uh, VA is uh, second on the depth charts behind Dominic Davis. Um, uh, also, we have, I think, uh, Armando Sewell's back in, in the lineup this week, too. But there is a uh, there is a rookie making his first ever start for the Alouettes on the defense. That's right. Not just a rookie, but the rookie this year in Tyrell Richards, the first overall draft pick of the Montreal Alouettes this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be basically in the middle in the linebacking core, uh, right beside uh, Brian Harlemana and uh, Tyrese Beverett. Uh, kind of, I, I guess we can say now, Tyrell Richards more or less, I guess, would be replacing Trey Watson, who was released by the Alouettes uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Trey Watson is now a member of the Edmonton Elks, and he will definitely be starting, as he has been all season. It's just now, instead of starting for the Alouettes, he's going to be starting for the Elks. So, kind of like Fletcher with the Alouettes, uh, Trey Watson knows this offense pretty well, too. So, it's going to be, uh, I, I won't say revenge is on his mind necessarily, but, I mean, he kind of knows what he's getting into here. So, that is something we're, that is going to be... An interesting battle to see is Trey Watson versus this Alouette's offense. Exactly. And the, the guy that we picked up, I guess we could say to quote unquote replace uh, Watson is uh, Micah Awe, who's mm-hmm. going to back up uh, Richards this week. Yep. It'll be good to see him in, in uniform. As I said, he's he, he was a fantastic player out in BC and did some good stuff out in Ottawa as well. So if he can bring some of that to Montreal and help sort of lighten the load for the young Canadians then so much the better. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how he fits in with his linebacking core. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that there's uh, pressure necessarily, but at the same time, he's going to want to prove his worth because he's been out of the league for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm cautiously optimistic on how always he's going to do and how he's going to fit in with his linebacking core. But, uh, yeah, I, I am very excited for Tyrell Richards. Uh, I think he's... You know, we saw what we did it in the preseason. We saw what we did at training camp. Just needs that opportunity, and this is it. So we'll be looking forward to seeing him out there, and if he can uh, make some magic happen, just lay the wood down on uh, guys like uh, Taylor Cornelius and uh, 
Mike Beaudry, I believe, uh, or even Kyle Lockley. Mm-hmm. I think those are the quarterbacks that will be in the lineup for the Elks. If he can make their lives a little bit miserable on Thursday night. Yeah, for, for be sure. excited. Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, Darius uh, uh, Pickett is still on the one game. Uh, Dante Atcher is still on the one game. Chris Aki is still hurt. He's on the one game. And this this kind of leads into where uh, about Edmonton itself, you know, with the whole thing that happened in Ottawa this week and in Edmonton with Trey Ford going down and then what happened with uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli in Ottawa. You know, there had to be a they needed another quarterback um, because they just couldn't go with the one just the one QB. Um, so it basically went that Ottawa uh, traded quarterbacks for a quarterback. Mm hmm. And it again, it le- it leaves Edmonton in a, in a strange situation. It really, really doesn't. And what, what leads to my thing, my my thought here, sorry, is that earlier in the week on the Friday, Davis Alexander was pulled off the practice roster, and uh, officially, Cliff, he's not on the practice roster. He's on the one game injury list this week. Hmm. So yes, take that take that for what people may, but we'll just uh, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, – could it be gamesmanship? Could it be taking a look at the CFL landscape as far as quarterbacking goes and kind of protecting your assets, if you will? It could easily be, too, that uh, with the issues that happened in Ottawa and in uh, Edmonton, that they didn't want either of those teams pulling uh, Alexander off the practice roster because people need to remember, if you're listening to the show for the first time, any team in the CFL can pull a player off the practice off, off of any team's practice roster. Do, I think it's due to is it due to injury? I'm trying to remember the stipulations, but either way, the main stipulation is that you have to put them on your on their active roster that next week, no matter what. Right, and again, folks, you may have heard us earlier this year talking about Davis Alexander during the preseason, during the, the two preseason games, and in training camp. I mean, dude's a diamond in the rough. Like he is one of those guys that if given the opportunity is going to make some noise in this league. Yeah. Still very much a rookie, still very raw, still not 100% acclimated to the CFL yet. Cause again, he's truly only dressed for one game this year. Yeah. For the I, I still want to go. I still want to see, see him to go up against the ones because what he did in the two preseasons games. Woo, baby. Yeah, I mean, again, if that's the long-term plan for Denny Machocha at quarterback, then he's, he he would be wise to make sure that nobody just pilfers him from the practice roster. So exactly. and that would be the it, way to do it. That would be the way to do it. Just to put them on the on the active roster and then put them on a one game. Yeah, I mean it's it's within the rules and yeah. I, I know a lot it's gonna lead to a lot of speculation with especially to considering Nick Arbuckle was not Chris Jones's guy in Edmonton. Uh, oh so yeah, sorry for like I forgot to mention it was Arbuckle who got traded. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, Arbuckle was traded to the Ottawa Red Blacks to replace the injured Jeremiah Masoli. So now, again, by activating Davis and putting him on the one game, you're basically telling the rest of the league, hands off, he's mine. Yeah. <laughs> because let's face it, I mean, Ottawa could come looking for that quarterback or Edmonton could come looking for that quarterback. You know, two of the, those two teams end up making a deal and there's still potentially a quarterback spot to be done, depending on how well uh, Taylor Cornelius and or Mike Beaudry do against the Alouettes on Thursday night. Kyle Lockley, too, has also gotten some reps at quarterback for them. So true, they've got options, but are they the options that they really want to go f- go with going forward for for the rest of the season? Maybe, maybe not. So the Alouettes are kind of 
they, they got to be looking at the, this and think to themselves, okay, we got to protect our guys. Simple as that. Like if, if they truly do want to, if they truly believe in the quarterbacks that they have on this roster, all four of them, yeah, then you got to do what you got to do to make sure that they stay on your roster. Exactly. It'll be interesting to see what happens next week once the game is up because uh, you would think that they would want a, guy, a quarterback on the practice roster unless they have somebody else in mind. But we'll see. We will see. We'll see. Uh, the Alouettes are favored depending on where you go anywhere from eight and a half to nine points. It's actually nice to be able to get A to be favored this year. I think it's the first time the Alouettes are favored. I think it is. Yes. So that's that's nice to see. Um, I mean, it, def- it definitely speaks to just how things are out in Edmonton this year. I mean, it's. It's crazy. They, they've they've been in games. Uh, they've been blown out. Uh, I mean, they've pretty much run the gamut as far as uh, you know what the season's been so far. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, it's easy to look at both teams and say, okay, well, I mean, neither one is exactly lighting the world on fire. But I guess Montreal seems to be the lesser of two evils. Like they, they seem to be a little bit more of the safe bet to make. So. That's, I guess, what the bookkeepers are probably looking at all all that's going on and saying, okay, yeah, I think uh, Montreal is a little bit less of a worry than what Edmonton is. So, mm-hmm. and I think also too, like if you took a look at the uh, CFL.ca, all the uh, the the prognosticators there, it's pretty much a clean sweep. Like everybody thinks the Alouettes are going to beat Edmonton on Thursday. So that's usually the kiss of death, though. Like last time that happened, where I think all the Alouettes were favored, uh, they end up losing. So thanks, we'll guys. We'll Appreciate see. that. Uh, <laughs> also, too, is it something that I put on social media just just as a, a quick tidbit is that, you know, this will be the um, this is going to be obviously the eighth. This will be the ninth time overall that, that the, a head coach has debuted uh, when a coaching change is made during in, uh, during uh, in, during the season. Uh, those previous eight times, Cliff, uh, the Alouettes are four and four, but have won the last two of three. Um, interesting enough too, is that the Elks actually took part in two of these, uh, uh, matchups post coach change, but this will be the first time that it's occurred in Montreal. So mm. no, no real stats there. <laughs> just, <laughs> just basic information for your, for you as, uh, for you stat geeks out there. So there you go. Take, uh, take from that what you will. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you still got to play the game. Still got to play the game. Uh, besides the game itself, there's a lot going on this weekend, Cliff, eh? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you haven't gotten your tickets, you got to go. Because when was the last time? Oh, well, the next next one would be the 25th anniversary of this team. But they're going to be celebrating the uh, 20th anniversary of the 2002 Grey Cup champions. They're going to be available to meet. They're meeting people at the, uh, at the Pine Street entrance. And then they're going to be on the field after the game. For those of you who have uh, have been lucky enough to get passes, uh, post game passes to go on the field, uh, wow! What else is going on, man? They're doing something at halftime for them. They're going to be, uh, which is new. They're going to be doing a, a tribute to Guy Lafleur, which is, I think, it's well deserved. One hundred percent. Wow! What else? I'm trying to think here. What, two dollar hot dogs. Yeah, two dollar hot dogs. They got a deal for. I think it was. Uh, uh, a a game offer for a ticket, a hot dog, and a drink that start at twenty nine dollars. Start at twenty nine dollars. That's pretty decent. Yeah. R- return of the uh, Alouette beer. Yep, while know, supplies last, which, so yeah, which I know you liked, which I'm sure you you'll, you'll probably get a few others. There you go. So I mean, like like 
once it's gone, folks, it's gone. So, I mean, if you haven't had a chance to try it yet, get yourself to the game on Thursday. Try this beer. It is absolutely outstanding. And, again, $2 hot dogs. I mean, there you go. What, what, what better way to wash down that beer yes. than with, you know, cheap street meat? <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect you to say that. <laughs> no, I don't want a hot dog. I want cheap street meat. That's the uh, quote of the day. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag cheap street meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what else? Um, uh, special retro uh, merchandise they're going to be doing at the boutique all throughout the stadium. I, mean, mm-hmm. where, I think they said it's an actual retro jersey uh, with signatures. Did I read that right for 50 bucks? Yeah, that's... If I remember, that's I think up. that's what it was, but that's only in stadium, not online. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you want to load up on uh, those those stars of yesteryear that won the Great Cup that twenty years ago, this is your opportunity, folks. And hello, autographed. Yeah, I mean, dude. Listen, if you're a collector, I mean, if you know, if you're one of those guys that or gals that uh, think back to the good old days, uh, like twenty years ago when the Alouettes were simply dominant and they just they found ways to win, they had that swagger to them. Mm-hmm. Talk about that era of, of Alouette's football. I mean, a lot of people will look back at that fondly. I mean, led by the late, great Don Matthews and Jim Pop. I mean, that's just outstanding right there. So, I mean, if you have a chance to get a little, just a little piece of history like that. And again, a, an autographed jersey for $50. That is, that's incredible. Yeah, another other uh, Angry Bird merch with uh, Get Start at 5, where you, you can't go wrong. There you go. I mean... Plus, they have all their new merch coming up. They all their all their new merch too. So, hey, buy some, buy a lot. You know. Listen. So again, there are plenty of good reasons for you to get off your duff and get down to the stadium on Thursday night and watch the Alouettes and Elks play. Yeah. So many reasons. Yeah. Uh, final thought about the game here, Cliff, uh, is uh, what? And I have something I've promoted on social media. And this is something that I applaud the Elks organization for doing. What did you think about their game matchup poster that they put out? It was cute. They've been doing that for the past couple of weeks now against uh, certain opponents. And yeah, it, it's... I mean, certain. All. Well, yes. I, well, I guess there's only been two. I've, I've only seen two so far. Oh, you've only seen two. They've done it all season. It's actually a great idea. It really is. I, I think it's just definitely a great way to engage people, get them interested, get them talking about it. Because especially too, like if it paints the opponent in a less than flattering light, like I think the one for they did for the Tiger Cats, they had, uh, yeah. you know, a player, you know, petting a, a little kitty cat. Yep. So kind of trying to, to mock the uh, the Tiger Cats that way. And this week it's uh, an Elks player walking around with a bird cage in water, though. But I understand we're on an island. I get that. But mm-hmm. it, yeah. are are they giants? I guess in their minds they're giants. Something. And we're just, you know, the Alouettes are just tiny little birds just waiting to be captured. So. I thought there were some sort of Easter eggs, by the way, because I was looking at the uh, at the bird cage that the player was holding. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it, by the way, head over to uh, social media, whether it be mine, uh, the, the flight deck, um, or the Eskimos, and you'll be able to see it. But I swear, Ugh. I thought there was going to be a built-in Easter egg on that plaque. That was on the birdcage, like, you know, five-time great champions or or making a jab at us for beating us so many times in the Grey Cup. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah, that, that, that would have been, a way, you know, a good way to do it. Just a, a nice little subtle jab. But I guess maybe they figured just the birdcage itself was enough of a, uh, 
yeah, a, a lightning a lightning rod for conversation, if you will. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. I won't go so far as to call it bulletin board material. I think it was no, just. No, I, I, I these preview these preview uh, posters are fantastic. They are as as listen. It's it's just good, clean fun, and you know, props to the Elks and their their staff for coming up with stuff like this. I mean, you know, it's just 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 fun stuff. That's all. Exactly. Okay, Cliff. Uh, beginning of the Danny Maturcha era in Montreal. Um, Obviously, we are expecting a win, but what? What uh, other? I, I don't know if we're just going to be spouting what we've already heard, what needs to be done. But in your opinion, what needs to be done in order for this Alouettes team to come away with a victory? Simply put, I mean, the offense has to score, and not like it, it can't just be another Chandler Worthy house call. Although those are always fantastic, and it can't be just field goals. I mean, this team has to score honest to goodness touchdowns, not just one touchdown, several touchdowns. Like, we got to be able to see if that truly was – I mean, there was a, a number of reasons why Harry Jones was shown the door. But if it had to come back down to offensive production and the lack thereof, then this offense really has to wake up. I mean, there's no reason why this team shouldn't be scoring several touchdowns in a game. I, I mean, if, yeah. if you've decided that Trevor Harris is your guy and he's at least the guy this week, then he's really got to get his act together. He's really got to start – scoring touchdowns he's got to lead the drives not just gain yards and get to the red zone and then just you know falter away and then hope for david cote to kick a field goal you can't keep doing that it just it's not going to work you you have to score you have to score honest to goodness touchdowns whether it's rushing touchdowns or fighting any of your talented receivers in the end zone this alouette's team needs to score touchdowns real touchdowns like we we know this defense is going to come alive we, this defense, the defense has not been the problem this year at all. No. They haven't been perfect, but they are—they are certainly not the reason for the why the Alouettes are one and three. And I think Noel Thorpe, in his first, you know, his his return, shall we say, to yeah. the the Alouette sidelines, I'm expecting the discipline issues to go away. I'm expecting—he's he, as I've said before—he's not going to suffer fools. He's going to get people in line and get them in line quickly. That's just his style. I know it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But maybe that's what this team needs. Maybe that's what the kind of defensive coordinator this team needs is one that can harness that talent. And let's face it, love him or hate him, he will definitely get the best out of his defensive players. So defensively, I am not worried about the Alouettes. I think it's just going to be status quo. I think it's just going to be more of the same defensively for this team. Special teams, obviously not an issue because I mean, we've got Chandler Worthy returning kicks. We've got David Cote making field goals. We've got Joseph Zima booming the ball away, maybe scoring the occasional roosh here and there. Special teams, as far as I'm concerned, is not a problem here. Really, truly, what it comes down to is the offense. This offense has been just that, offensive. Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's got to change. Yeah, agreed. And, and this is, you know, the whole thing about, you know, firing Kahari, they said they, you know, they didn't just necessarily look at the last game. It's uh, the last games this year, the four games this year. They look back at the last nine. And, you know, I, I understand the team was two and seven. Um, but... While while I understand why they made the changes, because you know there there have been a, a lot of discipline problems. We have been flagged for way too many penalties. But I think one of the things lost in this is that of those of those games of those nine games, Cliff, how many how many uh, how many was Harris the quarterback for? Mm. The starting quarterback. You know, he was a starting quarterback for six of them. Technically seven because VA was pulled very early in, in, in earlier this year. So technically, Agreed. it's it's more than that. Yeah, 
I mean, he's he's well, put it this way. He's had the lion's share of the starting quarterback reps or the yeah. offensive reps. So, and again, as, as the leader of the offense, and that's what the quarterback is, is the leader of the offense, he's got to answer for that. Yeah. And it, again, despite all of that, Danny Machocha still is standing behind, he's standing by his man, so to speak. But for how long? Like, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to produce. There's exactly. there's no no two ways about it. And, you know, at this point, I don't care if you people think we, we hate Trevor Harris or not. Like, we, we've set our pieces. We simply present the facts as we see them. And we just again, want success. It, we just want success for the team itself. No matter who right. the quarterback is, we just right. want success. But right now, if there is a huge difference, if, if there's a huge change this week, okay. If they start scoring in the red zone, okay. But obviously, it needs to be happen for more than for more than one game, and that's all. That's all they were hoping for. You know, you know we're we're for the Owls. That that that's you know. Yes, we like certain players. Yes, we hope everybody does well, but. but you still they you still have to win as a team completely, and changes are made for a reason. But sometimes you have to look at more than just who the players are; it's how they've played. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, it, what it comes down to really is guys like this have to step up. Like the the superstars, the what the, the ones on offense that we expect to be superstars, they've got to step up. It, it is their time now. Like. We, you really cannot rely on special teams and defense to score all your points for you. You really, truly... Or your punter. It, Sorry, yeah. or your field goal kicker. Field goal kicker. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to, folks, is this offense needs to score touchdowns. Plain and simple. Whoever the quarterback is, you've made your choice. You, you've decided who you want your guy to be. Great. Now he's got to do his job. Exactly. Simple exactly. as that. We hope everybody enjoys the game. That's the main thing. Let's make sure that we that these, you know, support the Owls. If you can't go, watch them on TV. Uh, listen to them on the radio, wh- wherever you are, uh, whether it be in Quebec or other parts of Canada, uh, and you are Owls fans. We just enjoy the game itself because uh, uh, I, I'm I am so hoping that the Owls put on a great show. But again, you know, we need the, the way the East is currently. Any win. This win could put the Alouettes into for, into first place, it where really hopefully, could. where hopefully they will stay for the rest of the season, and that's that's all that we can wish for. So, but one and, game, but one game at a time. So let's let's see what happens against Edmonton. I mean, they're not going to be patsies either. They they too have a lot to prove. They've got the 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 changes that they've made and the moves that they've made. Same idea. Like they're they're in a, a work in progress, and they want to prove themselves just as badly as Montreal, I'm sure, wants to prove themselves. So it's going to make for an interesting game, for sure. I don't think this is going to be a track meet by any stretch of the imagination. I think it'll be a good, hard-nosed battle. But, I mean, we're going to see who wants it the most when it's all said and done. Exactly. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Please join us next week, where we will bring you another episode of the Elowitz Fight Deck to talk about the the Elks matchup and what's to come uh, what's what's and what's to come? So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.